0: Alrighty then. Jim Carrey. Are you excited? I'm literally bouncing off the wall. I'm so pumped.
1: I don't know what it took us so long to get here, uh, but he's clearly a fast any human.
0: We kind of pushed him into our calendar because we didn't have, I don't know why we didn't have Jim Carrey as a top person. But the other day, we kind of booted somebody else out. We won't say who and threw in Jim Carrey <laughs> because there's so much freaking here. This man is hes out there.
1: Yeah, we won't say who. I don't think Will Ferrell will be upset. <laughs> all right. So where, were we start? How, where did you first come up to uh, Jim Carrey? When did he first hit your radar?
0: I mean, he he was in all of our living rooms, I think, as 90s kids with some with some of these crazy comedic films.
1: Most 90s kids, but you're not a regular 90s kid. So when did you hit you for the first Ooh, time?
0: Oh, you. Listen, I knew who he was, but I think I started getting real interested in him when I started seeing some of his weird woo-woo, metaphysical, weird spiritual stuff that he does a few years ago. I was like, okay, Jim stinking Carrie, let's go. And so I kind of entered in that route.
1: Everyone got on board in the 90s. You got on board in 2000.
0: Yeah. When he told that that reporter that nothing's real, I'm like, <laughs> everybody's like making fun of him. And I'm like over here buying his books. What about you?
1: Uh, Right off the top. So like his first big smash was was Ace Ventura. But I remember seeing him like my parents used to watch In Living Color. So I used to to see him on that sketch show as well.
0: Yeah, he's been around a long time. He's a year older than my parents, which is wild because I still kind of view him as like this young dude. Uh, no offense to anybody who's my parents' age. But moving on.
1: James Eugene Carey, born January 17, 1962, is a Canadian-American actor, comedian, and artist. Known for his energetic slapstick performance, Carey first gained recognition in 1990 after landing a role on American sketch comedy television series In Living Color from 1990 to 1994. He broke out as a star in motion pictures with Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber, all in 1994. For the next 20 years, he would become one of the highest-paid comedic actors of all time time. creating hit after hit at the box office, a long way from performing open mic nights in Toronto comedy clubs at just 15 years old. He even dabbled in more dramatic roles such as The Truman Show in 1998 and The Man on the Moon in 1999, earning Golden Globe awards for each of them. He's been linked romantically with stars like January Jones, Lauren Hawley, Renee Zellweger, and Jenny McCarthy. Today, he continues to create art and write books like the 2020 book Memoirs and Misinformation. Also in 2020, he portrayed Dr. Robotnik in Sonic the Hedgehog and Joe Biden in six episodes of Saturday Night. Night live leading up to the 2020 United States presidential election he is noted as one of the most uniquely talented comedic performers in history
0: he always knew that he wanted to be a comedian I think I don't know if he necessarily had the language for that but I mean just even as a kid he was doing impressions in the mirror and I had here even wrote Carol Burnett from the Carol Burnett show a letter um bragging on his impressions and that he should be considered for a role on the show which i wrote down here was like extreme confidence for a young man
1: that's pretty confident that's the cool thing about being young is you have no repercussion for of any boldness so why not go for it
0: yeah yeah uh, his first stand-up experience was at the age of 15 His dad actually took him to – it's called Yuck Yucks. It was a comedy club in a church basement. He absolutely bombed at 15 years old. I can't believe he didn't have his stuff together at that point. But I think as far as knowing what he wanted to be, it seemed like it was destiny.
1: That's the same club I came up in. Yuck Yucks is a chain of uh, of comedy clubs in Canada here. Uh, Jim Carrey's Canadian. He lived. He grew up of outside of Toronto. I'm in Ottawa, which is uh, four hours up the road. But there's a lot of people that started in Yuck Yucks, like that you would know, like the like Norm McDonald and and you know Tom Green, all these folks.
0: Never heard of them. Is Etobicoke Yuck in the states? <laughs>
1: Yes. So there's a bunch of them. But anyway, yeah. So he went at 15, bombed, and that kind of crushed him. So he he did he went back and he started honing his stuff until he was 17. Then he came back and he's like, all right, I think I'm, I'm ready again.
0: Yeah. So as far as knowing who he wanted to be and having vision, I, mean, I know we're going to go over implementation, all the stuff that he did in his career to get to where he is now so we can learn from it. But is there anything else about his just overall vision that you wanted to comment on?
1: I mean, we can get to it later on, but like as far as him, you mentioned like at a young age, he was able to visualize like, I want to do this. This is what I want to do and nothing will stop me. And I remember seeing him, this is must be 25 years ago now, like on the Tonight Show, he was talking to Jay Leno and he he whipped out this check for like a million dollars from his wallet. And he wrote that to himself when he had nothing. Mm-hmm. he's like, going to cash this one day. And lo and behold, several movies later, uh, I guess he's, whether he's cashed it or not, I don't know, but, the, but that's, that's visualization for
0: you. Yeah, for sure. You know, getting into the implementation side, what he did in his career, um, we haven't talked about it before. It's the first time we have, but you know, the resilience piece was, I don't even know how you could feather it out of his whole story. I mean, not only being insanely rejected constantly early in his career, and being totally sucked. But I mean, even as a young man, they were homeless for a long time. I read somewhere that his mom struggled. His mom struggled with a lot of uh, mental health issues. I mean, it wasn't like anything was handed to him. For sure, I, I think he said somewhere that he knew if he wouldn't make it in show business, he'd probably still be working as a janitor, which he did. Him and his brother did to help pay some of the bills. So it was kind of like for me when I was reading his story, it was kind of like, what else would he do besides comedy?
1: Be the best janitor ever. Like imagine like the kids coming up to him, make this face, do this face, do this impression.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you have those people in your life um, where you're like, man, you really could have used that, you know, not, not only in a judgmental way, but just some really talented people that, you know, either whether they don't have the ambition or they don't care, they're freaking talented and it's like they're walking among us and some people quote make it and other people they don't
1: yes i mean there are a lot of people who i come across there's this thing there's this term i i learned called like uh it's not skill stacking but like uh what is it um
0: skillful link.
1: no <laughs> it's like you yeah you can have all the talent in the world but unless you have some of the other soft skills, like the, like the marketing or drive to promote yourself or whatever, like how do you, so, the, so sometimes having a combination of things is more valuable than having that one thing yeah. right off the get-go. Yeah. So that's where collaboration or something comes about because then maybe the other person is more of a salesperson than you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But looking at his uh, life, what are some of the first few things that you pulled out of as far as what we could implement?
1: What we can implement. First of all, can I share this quote with you that I heard earlier this week? God, I
0: love me a quote. You know like quote just before me all we, day. Just before we, Let's go. Just before
1: we get out of vision and into implementation. get okay, this Alex Mosey guy. He's on. You've probably seen him oh, one. Uh, I know. I know. He's... he's, uh, he's Never mind.
0: Don't quote me. <laughs>
1: Okay, moving on to resilience. no.
0: I'm kidding. Go ahead. What did Alex Hermozzi say?
1: It was a great quote. He's like, he's like, you can't uh, don't become confident by shouting affirmations in the mirror, but by having a stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say you are. So outwork your self doubt. You go,
0: <laughs> Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: the resilience and implementation of Jim Carrey. So he started as a comic uh, in Toronto at Yuccax. We've established that already and uh, after bombing at 15 he decided you know let's just go back and and try my impressions out and, and hone my stuff 17 he comes back and he starts doing better i mean he doesn't start killing right away but enough to become a paid regular all right and it's hard to imagine jim Carrey bombing right off the top which is crazy but everyone's got to start somewhere right
0: well, he was doing something, you know, weird. I mean, he's an odd man. He's he's very embodied and very eccentric. And I, I know there were some people like him, but not very many. And so it's a really an inquired taste. And this wasn't just an isolated event as a teenager. I mean, it took him years to get his act off the ground because he was so freaking goofy.
1: But don't you find that anything innovative takes a minute to digest for your audience? Yes. Yes, he's so eccentric that it's like, like if he's if he's on after like three normal stand up comics, and then you get this crazy, like impressiony, goofy, rubber man, rubber face guy, like it's just it's hard to, like, I'm sure he did great. But it's just like, it's it's hard to change gears.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you think about anybody who is called a genius now, when they first started off, people thought they were complete idiots. And it's like, are you willing and able to kind of grit through years of people thinking you absolutely suck and they hate you to be one day called a genius potentially maybe you
1: think einstein had the same problem equals mc squared what an idiot okay he was right there you go.
0: well didn't he like fail his college entrance exam or something
1: i don't know our next guest will be uh einstein (laughs) so
0: So what happened after that he was he went back at 17 he started doing a little bit better it is important to note he dropped out of high school 16. He was
1: janitoring at high school. So that was his education.
0: Pretty much. Right. Pretty much.
1: He auditions for SNL, Saturday Night Live, for Heather. Uh, and he doesn't get it. He goes back to the club, starts doing you know, more impressionist stuff, and he nails this perfect impression of Sammy Davis Jr. Hmm. Uh, Heather, do you know who Sammy Davis Jr. is? Uh,
0: yes. He was a musician, right?
1: Yes. And he gets this newspaper article written about him in uh, – it's nationwide in Canada, and it gives him a little bit of heat or whatever, right? And then he gets uh, – you know, he lands this TV spot at Evening on the Improv. Uh, he gets this made-for-TV movie called Rubber But the fact that he got like rejected by SNL the first time, it's just maybe it's – again, just keep rolling with the punches, right? He goes back. He gets his other stuff. And then he auditions for SNL a second time (laughs) and does not get it. (laughs) So he just continues to roll with the punches. He starts doing shows below the border. Uh, And if you're not a geographic person, that's the United States.
0: I feel like uh, you're like poking at me this whole time. Are you what are you trying to say here?
1: I'm just yeah, here
0: You know you, who that is, Heather? You read
1: between the lines.
0: <laughs> well, if you're not a geography person,
1: anyways. Okay, that geography person is that's not open. That was you. That was for the the folks okay. at home.
0: Moving but on. Do you Rory. think pop
1: culture re- Okay, so he started opening up for Roddy Dangerfield and he landed the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. I think he auditioned for that a couple times and didn't get it. Mhm. Mhm. Uh, but he think he got it based on his fame in Canada because uh, he, he yeah. had a little bit of uh, heat there. Um, but yeah, he got he did, got declined twice for the Johnny Carson. So Johnny Carson show. And the first yeah. time they asked him to hone his act more, so he did. You know, second time, he was actually booked, but then he had like a crappy set at the improv or something like that. So they're like, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so he was on the call sheet and he's like, hey, you got taken off the call sheet. I feel like I've been talking for a long time, but I want to give you a takeaway before I stop talking. It kind of goes to this like big fish in a small pond thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like uh so he popped big in Canada, and so he kind of used all that as oh, this next Canadian sensation thing to uh to leverage that into um uh, the tonight show,
0: yeah, you did a great job summarizing because it's literally years. Of people saying essentially you're not good enough. I mean, it was, ultimately, it was three times that he auditioned for um, Saturday Night Live. All three times he was rejected and he was booed off stage several different times. He went to America and was doing a little bit of touring there. Roadblock, 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 roadblock. And it felt like to me reading all this that he would like retreat back into Canada and like rework some material and then kind of venture out again. And um, most yeah, that- people would get. Really, really jaded, you know. Oh well, yeah,
1: because yeah, it's like a, he's obviously got this one thing he does that's different than everybody else. Like, well, at what point do you think to yourself, "It's not working"? Maybe I should try to do what everyone else is doing in order to break through.
0: Yeah, I actually wrote here, "Go back to what works?" question mark Because I was wondering, you know, uh, we talk about innovation, looking at his life, but also too he for years would go back to his stomping grounds and perform every time that he was rejected again and kind of rework some stuff. So maybe that's something that we can learn from. If we venture out and something doesn't work, maybe asking ourselves, what was the last thing that did work and going back to that for a little bit.
1: I I call that recalibration. Yeah. So you missed the first time. So recalibrate your weapon because uh, the aiming is off, right? So you'll get it next time.
0: But that it takes, you know, back to kind of dipping into what we said at the beginning with the vision. There has to be a certain level of grit, maybe craziness, to be willing to sit through all of that. You know, getting booed off a stage. I've never been booed off a stage. I've just, in the slightest little bit of, People saying something mean to me, I get butt hurt over it for like three days and like eat ice cream. you know I can imagine constantly being rejected I and mean, his goals to get on Saturday Night Live and then tell them no three freaking times. Three.
1: I got booed off stage once.
0: no, you didn't I don't' I believe kind of you. like
1: inadvertently
0: I don't believe you. did it really happen?
1: I was doing a speaking event, and um I, you know usually when I'm doing my my talking about my kids and my stand up, I'll start by saying like I own two kids, right usually gets a good chuckle. Audience, uh, they like it. But anyway, I'm doing the speaking event, right? And the guy on before me, um, he's doing like 15 minutes on child sex trafficking. All right. And it was poignant, thought provoking. He got a standing ovation. I didn't hear any of it because I'm backstage in the green room getting ready for my own thing. (laughs) Once it's my turn, the first four words that I'm out there, I own two kids.
0: (laughs) This really happened. Yeah. 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 I'm so sorry that happened to you. Oh, good. Um, Another thing I pulled out of this time of him getting on stage, getting booed off, getting rejected, all of that, is there was a couple of times specifically with – what's this dude's name – Rodney Dangerfield. Of uh, a couple of times, people were in the audience and um, noticed him. Specifically, Rodney Dangerfield, who signed Carrie to open for his own tour performances. And sometimes, when Carrie um, was either struggling to find work or was rejected from certain places, he would go back to Dangerfield and open up for him. So I put here. You know, you never know who's in the audience. You never know who's listening. And I was just out in Atlanta with a friend of mine and. This place we go to is very hard. It's very, very hard to perform there because people are just dead silent. Um, and so he's kind of like, well, I just don't want to go back there. Or screw that place and all that. And I'm like, I know, but this is Atlanta. You never know who's sitting in that audience. Two three hundred people, right? So that's just me, though. What do you think?
1: There's two hundred people there and, there and you're not getting laughs?
0: Well, it's just it's it's a I wouldn't say you're not getting laughs, it's just a way stiffer audience. They're very buttoned up and very, I don't know, just not our vibe.
1: Gotcha. I'm mean, going to get it in like a smaller place where there's like a, you know, a dozen people who don't want to, uh, anyway, a couple hundred is, uh, is a different story, but yeah, you're right. He moved to LA in 1983 and I suppose that's where Dangerfield caught wind of him. Uh, so that goes back to your couple episodes ago. We're like, get your ass where your heart wants to be or whatever. Uh, so he goes there. Stephen Pressfield, and then he gets uh, he gets Letterman. Uh, you know, he's opening for Dangerfield. He's got some uh, making waves. He finally gets on Letterman and uh, auditions for SNL again around this time. Like he's on The Tonight Show, he's on Letterman. Auditions for SNL still gets rejected, right? So he goes for the Constellation Prize, which is another sketch show called In Living Color, and it's smaller, but it's big enough to help him land his first major movie role, uh, which is Ace Ventura, which is kind of. Um, we don't have to go. Like I, I watched a little bit of *In Living Color* when it was on, and like you could tell, like some of the characters he was creating there, uh, he was curating other characters he did later on, like Ace Ventura, for example. He had this one called Fire Marshal Bill. I think that's where Ace Ventura kind of came from.
0: <laughs> I don't know if this is true or not. I read it on the internet. Always feel like I need to have a disclaimer. There was a point in his career right before the movies where he stopped doing impressions and at the time he was just doing these celeb impressions and that was his whole bit where he kind of shifted his material to where it was just kind of physical comedy where he would come up with his own characters and at first people didn't like it and people who were booking him were like what the hell are you doing we booked you so that you could do an impression of whoever uh, elvis but it took some time for people to get warmed up to that. So that was another little takeaway that I had was anytime that you switch gears or start something new, it's almost like retraining people to kind of see you differently. And there's always going to be a lull there. Um, anytime I've ever rebranded my podcast or switched gears, it's like you have a dip, you know, and yeah. it gets discouraging because you're pumped, but nobody else is pumped about it. But it's normal.
1: Right. Because they, they you're so used to one thing. I got you. Um. So i guess <laughs> but i think he had to go through that cuz he had to make his his own uh his own characters right like he's not he's not going to make a movie as a, a elvis impersonator
0: i think it was interesting how many people hate him really like, oh yeah like i forgot i forgot this dude's name he was in a movie with him and he's a really popular actor i can't remember but there's a story where he went over to jim and like whispered in his ear i hate you <laughs> i don't no, know this. really i hate
1: you you don't know his name
0: i'll look it up
1: How like?
0: he's an odd ass man and that's kind of what gave him that edge but also too he's really struggled in his relationships um if you did you watch man in the moon
1: Uh, I did. And I didn't love it because, again, I was pigeonholed into, like, this is what I feel Jim Carrey should be. And so when he starts doing weird things, then I'm like, ah, it's not the Jim Carrey I signed up for.
0: Really? Um, Tommy Lee Jones is the one who hates his guts.
1: That's right. Okay. I kind of did hear that because they were in Batman together.
0: Mm -hmm. I really hate
1: you. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I guess... I don't know. Maybe he was annoying on set. I have no idea.
0: Well, the reason I brought up The Man in the Moon, and for those of you who don't know, he portrayed uh, Andy Kaufman, which I had never heard of before. Surprise, surprise, until I watched the movie. And now I'm really interested in that dude's life. But he was like this really weird comedian, Eccentric. eccentric comedian, where somebody said that he cared more about confusing the audience than making them laugh. And uh, Jim did an insane portrayal of him. And I was just watching the documentary. It's called Jim and Andy um, on Netflix. And it's the behind the scenes of Jim playing that role. And he was so in character. He didn't break it for months. Like even when the camera was not rolling, he was Andy. And he refused for anybody to call him Jim. Right. And um, the reason I'm saying all this is he was so outside of the box of what like a normal human behavior is just in day-to-day life that it makes him a great artist, but not necessarily the best friend or husband.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or whatever. I guess, yeah, that would be annoying to live with. Yeah. There's have I've I've seen that locally. I don't love it. <laughs> I just like just perform and just do your best to entertain this audience where Tell me more. I don't know. Like it's instead of like jokes, it's kind of like how weird can I be on stage to um as a form of entertainment? Hmm. I don't know. Like I, I you know, off stage, you will be talking to this person, regular conversation. They're pretty regular human being, but on stage, they intentionally try to be the weirdest person possible. Maybe they're just playing with characters. I don't know, but it's just it's not it's necessarily uh, my favorite thing to watch. Um,
0: but this wasn't an act for him. Like when he gets off stage, he he's an odd man in general. You know, especially now, especially especially now. So. There was a part of this documentary where Andy, and you just have to watch it. It's wild. Jim Carrey, as Andy, was talking about Jim Carrey and said, he's worried that if he gets better, he won't be creative anymore. And guy goes, are you talking about Jim? He said, yeah. It
1: leads into another question. Like, he's sort of like Robin Williams in that he's, there's yes. like a light switch, right? There's either yes. on or off. There's like very little middle ground. So, do you ever yes. worry about Jim Carrey, um, you know, when he's off?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, he's had a lot of like mental health stuff, taken a lot of medication, dabbled in some things, which has caused a lot of controversy, which I don't necessarily think we should get into with um, different relationships he's had and. He's gone into seclusion, like heavy seclusion for a few years and so forth, painting and all of that. And it's just, it's a weird thing when you study like creativity and madness, there's a lot of research that links both of them together. Um, And I think not to get too weird on you, because you'll never talk to me again, because I could go down a rabbit hole. Um, You kind of start to question like, well, what is normal behavior and why are we so culturally bent away from people who just function in the world differently like is it necessarily wrong just because they're weird you know what i mean
1: it's not wrong but i think maybe it just isolates you from your community who is quote unquote normal yeah or or try to be what society would deem as normal spoken from a
0: very normal normal person (laughs) yeah (laughs)
1: I'm so vanilla. Uh, we we'll probably don't have to go into the rest of his career. Like He just basically crushes it for the next 20 years. I like the story at the beginning of his movie career where he, mm-hmm. I think he signed on to do Ace Ventura. I, I forget. It was like maybe $500,000 salary or something like that. And then so that was his going rate at the time. We got And he signed on to do Mask and Dumb and Dumber before Ace Ventura had dropped, I believe. And then... Maybe he didn't sign the dotted line yet. I forget, but the, anyway, Ace Ventura drops. It's the biggest movie of the year. And it's like, who the hell is this guy? And then he went from like 500,000 to 8 million a picture for those other two.
0: So he, he chalks a lot of that up to like visualizing a manifestation. He's very into the metaphysical world and all of that stuff. Uh, What's your take on that?
1: Of of what? Would
0: you write yourself a check and put it in your wallet? And do you think that would work? Do You have a check in your wallet right now.
1: Okay, well, I know we you don't like to talk about Alex Hermosi, but like I go back to that first whole thing. Like I can visualization is good, but at the same time, like by having a stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say you are, mm. that's when you outwork your self doubt. So it's like you almost have to prove to yourself that you're capable of doing it. And once you get that inkling of of success, it's like, well, how do I magnify or amplify this to create more success that I want?
0: Yeah, I could see that. So there's this new. Thing you suggested the other night and i think it's a great freaking idea which is kind of a new segment to introduce with each of these people and that's luck use the word luck or an x factor or something can you explain to me what that is
1: like we break down the self-help tools that they implement to get them they do to say like luck is when preparation meets opportunity so like yeah. you can prepare all you want but sometimes there's like an x factor that they leverage that makes them explode but you don't really you can't explode if, if you're not prepared to leverage that x factor
0: right Right.
1: Does that make any sense what you just said? It...
0: it does because I know you super well. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs>
1: I, mean, I think like I just rambled a bunch of crap. If you
0: put it in a simple sentence, I think what you're saying, we can prepare. Let me prepare. start so, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, is this is a hard, hard thing to say. meets opportunity. So you, you, sometimes you need, you just prepare as much as you can, but then sometimes you need that one little catalyst that shares the rest of the world with what you're capable of. Yeah, and that's what we want to identify with Jim. Like he's obviously, he was prepared. He like he, he is who he is, uh, and he every time he failed, he would go back and quote unquote prepare more, just hone mm-hmm. whatever it is, recalibrate if you want to use that term. And uh, once he hit that catalyst, then he exploded. So the so catalyst, what, what the cat, so Ace Ventura is what made him explode. But the question is what gave him ace ventura what did i know but i think i i assume but I'll, i'll tell you my answer after you give me what you think yours is
0: god what a freaking cliffhanger so what i see is luck in his life yeah he said in one of his interviews about not caring what people think and we all say that to be cute and we buy little bumper stickers that say that but he's freaking embodied it in a way that I think he was born with. Like there's no way that what he does on stage was taught to him. There's something innately wired inside of him to literally be detached from what ori Gardner's impression of him is. And if I could bottle that up and drink it, I would. Um, that's a very lucky thing to have. And I think something that a lot of people in show business have to learn. And for some reason that came naturally to him. I think that's lucky. I think it's lucky that... Certain people were sitting in the audience, you know, uh, that didn't have to be there, who gave him opportunities. That's luck. He just needed to show up there. He can't control who's sitting in there, right?
1: Yeah, it makes sense. And like, there were probably like five or six other people on the bill that night that didn't get asked to open for audience an So, you know, what about him made that, uh, that impression? But I think, and you're right, everything happens for a reason, right? So he auditioned for SNL like three times, didn't get it. But I think that that... His actual luck. The fact that he didn't get SNL. Really? And let me tell you why. This is just theoretical. This is Rory banter. All right. So if, <laughs> if you think...
0: Cue the bantering. Heather, if you're ready to banter right now.
1: So if you... Uh... Okay, look at like American Idol. They always say it's like better to come runner up than it is to win because you're now under less control. When you win, like you have to have their recording contract, you have to do everything they say, but the runners up always have a bit more flexibility to do whatever the heck they want, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I feel like with SNL, it's like they would have been, his first movie would have been an SNL production. And not that there's anything wrong with that, because if you look at like Mike Myers and Adam Sandler, like they did fine well mm-hmm. under that. But the, but Ace Ventura was not an SNL production. Ace Ventura is the thing that made him pop. So the fact that he wasn't under that SNL umbrella kind of gave him the opportunity to create that character on in Living Color, and uh, you know make a movie about it.
0: That's why I hate watching those interviews before these shows. And they're like, this is my one chance. This is everything I've dreamed of. And you're just like, if you're literally giving that much power to something out of your control, you're not going to make it very far. Right. And how many, and myself included, man, like have taking things way, way too seriously that were out of my control and giving my power and calling and whatever, away to other people and saying hey you're the one that's going to dictate whether i'm successful or not
1: yeah no that's true but i mean you shouldn't necessarily give up going down that that path but don't put all your eggs in that one basket i feel like even this happened the other day i was um i I wanted to work with one specific agent for uh for years just because it was Mm -hmm. um i don't know i feel like we were in alignment and there was a lot of cool opportunities there and it was a no several years ago and then each year, I would just get more credits and hone the act and do different things. And I would kind of follow up every year. It was still a no for a couple more years. And I can see it in Gmail, in my Gmail account, sent items. It's like uh, all these mm-hmm. things. And it was always like a year later, like you know, 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point is, uh, I work with them now. It just took me, what, five years of... Uh, getting credits and, and honing my act you know, before they, they said yes. But it's funny when you see it on that, um, I don't know, on that timeline in your stupid Gmail account to, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to end this story.
0: Was this, <laughs> <laughs> was this the one that you met with the other day? New
1: one? Uh no, no, that was a completely different person. Oh,
0: <laughs> okay. Um, but I'm
1: going through something similar now where like, I want to do, uh, there's a production, I don't want to get into too much detail, but like there's a, a, a a production, like they do, like great uh, comedy specials and stuff like that. And I'm going through the same thing right now, where I keep—I don't get rejected per se. I just don't get a response back, which is basically a rejection. And so I'm looking through. This has been like three years now I've kind of tried to attack this. And I, you know, one of these years it'll be a yes. I, I just mm-hmm. have to keep uh, keep recalibrating and figuring out uh, how do I how do I approach this differently.
0: Totally, and approach it differently. If you think about it. He did, he had impressions. That's, that's, that was his thing. He ended up doing a little bit of voice acting. He did the traditional stand up comedy bar. He did acting. He, there was, and I'm talking about before he made it with Ace Ventura, before all of that, he was dipping his toe in some of these kind of adjacent uh, mm-hmm. skill sets to just survive and just be on stage and just hone. And it, it's interesting to me because sometimes we're told to focus and only get really, really great at one thing. Um, there's also this other idea to kind of play in other industries and just bring it all back together for your one act. Um, and you see that that's what he did.
1: And it worked out for him.
0: It worked out for him. So I guess overall, I mean, there's God, there's so much in his freaking life. I, I went down at, I was, what's wrong about this show is I end up falling more in love with these people. And then I want to spend another week researching them and we're already done and we're moving on to someone else. He's one of my favorites that I've researched just cause he's so out there. Um,
1: there's a lot of cool stuff like he we, that we could talk about, but it has nothing to do with like his how he implemented his his creative career. It's just uh, it's just fascinating stuff. How would you apply uh, any of this to your own life or career or uh, project?
0: I really loved how seriously he took each role, and I know I talked about it earlier. But with the Andy Kaufman thing, he got a lot of crap for it, and it was a little extreme. But also to the whole kind of he took method acting to another <laughs> another level and i think really really good artists are not afraid to completely surrender to something and fully own that space um whether it's you know, I had a comedian for another day uh, a manager looked at his material and said your material's good but your embodiment and your confidence needs to be taken up a notch <sighs> and um I admire that a lot about Jim. He's he's okay to completely surrender, even if people think he's absolutely completely bonkers. As a woman, especially, I'm I'm afraid how I look. Do I look nice? Do I look okay? Um, thank you. But even like Elizabeth Moss from um Handmaid's Tale. You are mm-hmm. on that. Another interview that she did is she said what makes her what helps her in her roles is she completely gives over trying to be attractive. So even, you know, when the camera is like right here and it's just like not a flattering angle or whatever, she'll fully commit to it. And I'm like, that is a real artist when you can let go a lot of that ego. So that's that element. And then also just how long it took him to make it being himself versus what other comedians were doing, you know, a long time.
1: No, you're right. But we, even in the Adam Sandler episode we did, I referenced Jim Carrey, like at that time, Jim Carrey was top of the charts and adam sandler could have tried to do something similar to Mm -hmm. jim carrey but instead he remained that word what's that word he stuck to his guns and just did his own thing and that's how adam sandler became who he is but anyway
0: what about you well let me
1: jump on what you just said do you think that he shot himself in the foot uh which would be the wrong term to use but it's like he, he he's so outlandish and comedic that like when he does do uh dramatic roles it's hard to visualize them as anything else
0: i don't think i have a hard time with that
1: like i love I, he's just some dramatic roles that i actually enjoy like the truman show is kind of like where he balances both a little bit like it's mm-hmm. funny but it's also kind of dramatic which I, I love that's one of my favorite jim carrey movies Me too. um i look at actors like brian cranston and uh john lithgow are two of my favorite actors when it comes to diversity like they can play crazy dad characters like they did on both of their sitcoms but they can play evil people uh specifically Mm -hmm. john lithgow like in in dexter and like some of the movie roles he's Mm -hmm. played he's like this evil person it's just how you can play both of those like how are both of those characters inside you i don't know it just creates a, a fan anyway i i can't i can't picture Jim Carrey playing an evil character. Like he plays the the villain in the Sonic movies right now, which I love. He does such an awesome job in that role, but it's still a movie for kids. It's it's not psychologically evil. It's just, he plays the bad guy.
0: But that's not his gift. That's not his thing. I mean, it wouldn't be so miraculous if all actors could do it. You know what I mean? Like he's a comedian and he's a physical comedian. So I don't know if it's Shooting himself in the foot or whatever to just fully lean into hey, this is my lane and this is what I'm great at. You're right. I think I he's super attractive too. Can we talk about that real quick? This is what's interesting. I, I'm going somewhere with this. I never thought of Jim Carrey as like a really attractive dude. And then I started watching all of his stuff, and I'm like, if he wasn't so weird, <laughs> like seriously, if he just like yeah, yeah. dressed nice, got himself together, and acted a little bit quote normal for whatever, he's like a really attractive dude. But it's hard to see him like that because of the Way um, he portrays himself, and I just think it's so interesting how much your physical energy can affect even your attractiveness.
1: People, uh, so there is a body language that it comes when it comes to like attraction and things like that. And you could probably read that in a dating book or something somewhere. Do you find that his physicalities is like uh, like a repellent <laughs> as far as like alpha male or, or whatever a common lady would find attractive or man? <laughs>
0: Probably, I mean some some of it's kind of cute, but I mean you'd be like I'd be a little nervous like walking down the street with him like get it together
1: like why he's just his bobblehead like on your shoulder I guess
0: yeah I yeah but again that's that that letting go of ego and just fully surrendering I guess it's it's a it's it's a skill
1: Have you seen his uh, his graduation speech?
0: Hell yeah, I have. That's pretty cool. you the, the one that he painted behind him. Yeah. God. Yeah, I've seen that a few times.
1: Mm-hmm. We won't talk about it here, but guys, go <laughs> YouTube it. It's pretty cool. So how? So have we discussed how you apply this in your own life yet?
0: I did. You didn't say yours, though.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I just I feel like the relentlessness is pretty outstanding. I, I already mentioned earlier that I, I already kind of do it, but it's nice to see when someone at Jim Carrey's level does it and did it and created what he created. It's like one thing leads to the next, and he just, there's never a case where he's like, let's give up, right? He's got, he get denied for SNL, which took him to the next big thing. And, and I I love his, you know, like the popular quote, like I hope everyone can get rich and famous and have everything they've ever dreamed of. So that yeah. they know that it's not the answer. It's hard to apply that specifically to what you do, but it's like, I, I love that. I adopt that mindset anytime, uh, I can, which is kind of why I, I, I love to balance, uh, everything like it just stop really focusing on the outcome and really try to like is this
0: uh,
1: you know if, if i commit to this for the next year is it going to not just benefit me in the long run but will it be fun in the short run
0: yeah i heard on a podcast this morning and i think jim would approve of what i'm about to say here because it's very metaphysical and weird but is uh, a lady she was talking about how we're attached to fame money blah whatever because of the feeling we think it's going to give us when really when we can embody that feeling now, even quote without those things, uh, we can A, experience more satisfaction, but B, also attract those things to us because we're operating in that sense. So literally, what does it feel like to be abundant right now? What does it feel like to have you know, a successful show right now? What does it feel like in that energy that you can bring about you? It's not just about woo-woo attraction, but people are gravitated towards that. Opportunities are going to be attracted to you from that. Um, but how can you feel that way before it happens? That's the mind, you know?
1: Well, that's because I don't like the woo-woo attraction thing. And that's... Like, how do you the, like oh, me? I don't even what understand. what the whole secret was, which is so hmm. dumb. But it's like, but they, there's a point to that in the gravitational pull that when you're kind of operating in your in your space and you're doing what you do, then... You will grow with the opportunities that come into your space.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. I love you, Jim Carrey. One day I want to interview you and we will go all the way you want to go. Um, is there anything else about Jim that you want to say? Besides you'll watch him on my show one day. <laughs> oh, I'm manifesting already. it. I'm <laughs> manifesting know. it. I'm putting it out into the world and I feel great about it.
1: He would be a great conversation. I don't think he does many podcasts, but he would be a great he will conversation. Do mine. I'm sure. He will do mine. Well, I hope so. Let's harmonize already, then. If you go high, I I'll go low.
0: Harmonizing so much, we've done this three times.
1: <laughs> I know. We did. We never nail it though. So. Okay, you ready? Let's sustain the notes in the middle. Ready? One, two, three. Already All
0: then. <laughs> God, these are so terrible. Hey, thanks for listening to Celebrity Self Help. Please leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you think about the show. And we're also on Instagram at Celeb Self Help. You can always send us a message and let us know who we should cover next.